From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared J.B. Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have Memphis's hometown favorites, Lucero. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, we've got some hometown cooking from one of our beloved local treasures, Lucero. Not to be confused, of course, with the famous Mexican singer of the same name. You know what, JB? That's funny you say that, because I remember when Lucero first started and they made a storm in Memphis. Everybody was talking about them. And then I was in... I was in Texas and I said something. I was going to South by Southwest. They were playing. And I said something about Lucero, and they were like, "You mean the Mexican singer Lucero?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> Had no idea. So we not only caught up with the favorite band of local fans, but we also caught them at one of the most anticipated annual events for music lovers: their annual homecoming show, the Lucero Family Block Party. You know, that's right, Pat, but we've got a twofer also today because we circled back to check in with the group just a couple weeks ago at their album release party, too. Now, new fans of the band and longtime supporters alike should be pretty thrilled that the group has been particularly productive over the past few years. The pandemic didn't slow them down at all, not as far as the studio's concerned, at least. In 2021, they released When You Found Me, and we're still in the wake of the rollout for their latest album, Shoulda Learned By Now. Both records showcase the band's creativity, ranging from upbeat, danceable tunes to the more somber selections that really settle into the listeners emotionally. The group's been active for more than 20 years and still continues to captivate audiences, all of them. And we think you'll hear it in the excitement of both evenings. We'll revisit today that the band's fans have a special way of showing their appreciation for Lucero's music. You know, Pat, I thought it was just the hometown folks here in Memphis who really love mixing it up with Lucero the way that they do. But I happened to be traveling down in the Gulf Coast once, and they were playing a gig, and the vibes were just the same. It's big fun and big energy with a big dose of Memphis on top. Let's take a big old listen. Here's Lucero on Bill Street Caravan.
make it if we make it. Cheers, y'all.
Pretty close. That was not at the show. That was not about the old days at Barristers or the map room. Here's more from Lucero, live on Bill Street Caravan. Thanks for having my back on that one.
Thanks again, Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. The Bronze Peacock Nightclub sat way on the outskirts of Houston. An ocean of darkness separated the club from the city lights. Inside, the place glowed. White tablecloths, buffed hardwood, and patent leather shoes. Clarence Brown sat in front of the bronze peacock bandstand and wondered, God almighty, what is this guy doing to these people? The people screamed and shouted. Women fell out like funeral mourners. They swung from chandeliers and crashed into walls. This guy was better known as T-Bone Walker. He was the bronze peacock personified, a white suit, slick feathers, and sparkling guitar. Clarence stood as T-Bone slipped the guitar behind his head, revving it as he slowly slipped into the splits. T-Bone landed it as he banged the final note. Clarence was a lanky 22-year-old from small-town East Texas on a hitchhiking journey around the state trying to find his break in music. Nothing in any roadhouse prepared him for what he was about to see. A storm hit the stage. Coins, bills, entire wallets, and finally ladies' underwear flew at T-Bone Walker. This night in the Bronze Peacock showed Clarence Brown a new path. He grew up in Cajun country playing parties with his dad's band. Clarence plucked the mandolin, sawed on the violin, and lately had been sitting in on drums. Once the panties stopped flying, he went up to T-Bone, still stunned at the sight of people swinging on chandeliers, and asked, what make a person do that? Nothing that went down in the bronze peacock escaped the notice of Don Roby, owner of the club and godfather of the Texas night. 
He stood beside the bandstand, listening to Clarence and T-Bone. T-Bone kind of laughed Clarence off, said, You can't make someone throw a wallet with the drums. But T-Bone was just a small-town Texas boy himself. He sympathized. T-Bone had nothing to worry about from Clarence. T-Bone had two new hit records on the jukebox. He started the Rum Boogie Club in Chicago and palled with Joe Lewis. As Clarence sat beside the bronze Peacock's bandstand night after night studying, T-Bone tolerated him and shared a few scraps, not exactly an apprenticeship, but Clarence picked up E Natural on the guitar and you'd have thought he'd learned to fly. Soon the spring rain came to Houston, cold and merciless, not enough to chill the bronze peacock atmosphere, but its star began to dim. After eight straight nights singing himself raw, T-Bone came down with something. Clarence saw T-Bone take the stage. He heard the shrieks building to a crescendo, but before the first note, T-Bone set down his big guitar and hurried back to the dressing room. Don Roby's eyes jumped from a packed house to an empty stage. In panic, he grabbed Clarence. Boy, get up there. It was just the sort of spontaneous combustion that changes the direction of history. Clarence halfway left his body but felt himself walking up the bandstand. He saw T-Bone's axe sparkling on stage. He picked it up. He knew one key, so no decision there. He strapped on the guitar and vamped. He couldn't do this all night, but the crowd cheered him on. They clapped the beat, and the women swung their shoulders, all eyes locked on Clarence. He did the damnedest thing, this kid, who'd clearly been picked out of the crowd, stepped to the microphone. He sang. My name is Gatemouth Brown. I just got in your town. The blues give him that line to repeat which came in quite handy as he stood in front of 500 people making up the song as if his life depended on it. My name is Gatemouth Brown, and I just got in your town. If you don't like my style, I will not hang around. The women went for their purses. The men reached in their pockets, and the crowd rained its approval all over Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Back in the dressing room, T-Bone Walker found his voice. He marched back out on stage, grabbed his guitar from Gatemouth. Look! T-Bone barked. As long as you live and breathe, don't you ever pick on my guitar again. Gatemouth already was squatted down, stuffing his pockets with cash. He looked up half smiling and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Bone. I don't know what made me do it. Don Roby reacted much more favorably than T-Bone did to Gatemouth's debut. Roby didn't know music, but he recognized that green paper all over the bronze peacock floor. He signed Gatemouth to an exclusive management contract that night and took him to the tailor and the music shop in the morning. They cruised the third ward in Don's caddy. Roby tried to make small talk, asking how Gatemouth got music. Well, I wasn't big enough to go in the juke joint, so I would sit across the street and listen to these booze. My mind would leave my body and travel for miles away, he said. But it seemed like to me, it would be traveling to the disastrous part of this man's life. And I said, music's got to be a little different than that. That was enough cosmic talk for Don Roby. The next time anyone saw Gatemouth, he'd be sporting a top hat, tails, and a new Gibson. He ran T-Bone right out of town. 
While Gatemouth headlined the Peacock every night, Roby hit the road to promote his new star. He sold him to nightclubs all the way to New Orleans and returned with a record contract. Gatemouth debuted on Wax the same way he first hit the stage with a little more practice this time. He named his tune Gatemouth's Boogie. This time, though, no showers of money flooded Gatemouth at the end of the song. My name is Gatemouth, I just got in your town. He spent the next two years traveling along his manager's chain of contacts through Texas and Louisiana dance halls. Roby outfitted that a station wagon to carry the band and painted the names of Gatemouth's records on the body. Gate made a name for himself the hard way, doing one-nighters at Club Raven in Beaumont, the White Eagle in Opelousas, Skylark Terrace in Corpus Christi, and the Rose Room in Dallas. He got around the honky-tonks, though he didn't make it back to the recording studio. Two years in, Gate had two titles painted on the station wagon. Don Roby wasn't a man known to accept reversal of fortune. When he'd finally had enough of nothing from the record company, Roby told his business manager, Hell, we don't need them to put out Gatemouth's records. Necessity being the mother of invention, just asked the composer of Gatemouth's boogie. This challenge led to a huge breakthrough. Naturally, Roby named his new record company Peacock Records. It was the beginning of the most successful black-owned label of the era. There remained just one minor technicality, as Roby's business manager gently asked, well, how do you make a record? Without pause, the Don shot back, hell, I don't know, that's for you to find out. Soon enough, Peacock Records launched with atomic energy an electrifying gate-mouth instrumental on the backside of the first single. This sounded clearly like an artist traveling beyond the disastrous part of life. The first Peacock Records headquarters were the back room of a liquor store. The company grew so fast, its offices took over the bronze Peacock and put the nightclub out of business. Peacock Records made some of Little Richard's earliest sides and would bring the world songs like Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. Eventually, Don Roby's roster of recording artists included Bobby Blue Bland, Junior Parker, Johnny Ace, and O.V. Wright. It all traced back to the moment Roby pulled skinny Clarence Brown out of the crowd because T-Bone Walker caught a cold. Gatemouth didn't turn out too shabby himself. After 10 years, he shed Don Roby's top hat and tails. Brown climbed into his own comfortable cowboy boots and grabbed his old violin. With his trademark pipe clenched between his teeth, Gatemouth became an icon of eclectic American styles. He played Cajun fiddle, electric guitar, mandolin, and even went behind the drums in all corners of the world. Along the way, Brown picked up a Grammy and gained recognition from guitarists as far out as Frank Zappa. He lived by the notion that struck him outside a Texas juke joint. Music's got to be a little different. For listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. 
For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We're back and we're setting the stage with Lucero, Memphis's crown jewel of alt country. Okay, JB, I'm gonna take a note because we're gonna hear about this. Because we happen to go to the same bars and the same places the guys go. They hate being called alt country, but alternative country, it's an easy way to describe them, but there are so many other things that are poured into the music. So we're just gonna take the lazy way out and we're gonna call them that. Well, I won't call it lazy. You know, I'm a journalist and we love a good umbrella term, all right? <laughs> so I just gotta put things in the categories just to make sure that they fit, that I, that I know what I'm carrying around. Well, it definitely doesn't say that we don't love this band. And to tell you a little bit more about them, back in February, Lucero was back home promoting the release of their latest full-length effort, Should Have Learned By Now. It's their second album in a row, produced by Grammy-winning producer, engineer, and songwriter, Matt Ross Spang. Yes, after completing their previous album with Spang and Phillips recording, they re-entered the studio and helped to christen Matt Ross Spang's own new studio, Southern Grooves, becoming one of the first groups to give his new digs a spin. You know, I don't think they had any trouble breaking the place in. <laughs> I peered down the hall a few times during the process as the studio was just near our offices that we're in right now. And you can hear it in the record just how comfortable with Matt Ross Spang the group has become. And really, that's kind of the magic in his production style. You always hear from artists that Matt's got a way of guiding without getting in the way. That's what you want from a good producer. And after an album in 2021, a pretty heavy soul searching in their songwriting, you can hear a little of that weight lifting as they ease into their latest album. You know what else you can hear, Pat? That signature Lucero twang and that down-home Memphis swing. <laughs> I think what you mean to say, JB, is that the band has built their fan base with their unique blend of classic Memphis rock and roll with a little country, a little punk, all added in. I always tell people that when you go to a Lucero show, 
you are going to be standing next to your best friend that you never knew, and y'all are going to be singing the songs word for word right there together. You always know how to put things so eloquently, Pat. No matter how much the band has grown through the years, you can continue to count on that perfect blend sitting right in the band's mix. You got it. Well, here is more from Lucero live on Bill Street Caravan. Empty hearts and blackout nights Was all I had to show For all of my good times When she came around She changed everything somehow Without her nothing's alright Nothing's alright
happens, all right. Hell yeah, y'all, thank you. First time we play that at a show. We're so excited to have you on Bill Street Caravan and, and really excited to, to revisit uh, what has become such a staple around Memphis each year. Uh, the Lucero has changed names. It was the family reunion, right? But now we're talking about the barbecue. Is that right? Uh, it went from a picnic and now it's a block party. We started it over in Arkansas and then when it moved to Midtown Memphis, it became a, a block party instead of a picnic. So yeah, the Lucero family block party, I think it's the official title. 
York, and I'm sure tons of people travel from throughout the region across the country. Uh, but this is sort of how a ground for Lucero. So I know that home cooking at home crowd must feel amazing to you guys today. Yeah, we're on the road so much. We don't play Memphis like we used to in the old days. So it's always a special thing to get to come home and, and do a, a big hometown show. And yeah, it always feels real good. The crowd's always very nice to us. So you mentioned that the, not only the name has changed, but the locales have changed through the years. I mean, what's sort of been the evolution of the venues through the years? There was a promoter over in Batesville, Arkansas, and he just wanted to do kind of an outdoor thing. He had a space down on the, the White River. And we're like, yeah. And we're like, let's try to do an annual thing. And that kind of was the how it originated. Uh, and we did a couple of Lucero picnics over in Arkansas. But then in 2015, we ended up moving it over to Minglewood, which is where it's been ever since. And I think that year in 2015, I think Robbie Grant actually played it and uh, Marcella and her lovers and the North Mississippi All-Stars played that year too. And so that was kind of the first real Midtown Memphis Lucero block party. And we've had great shows uh, almost every year since then. I think we might've skipped one during the pandemic, but yeah, it's been going strong ever since. Absolutely, and you know, I was gonna ask about that. I mean, not just this particular event, but you know, how the band has sort of been able to adjust to and maneuver throughout, I mean, the global health crisis. It seems like Lucero, right. you know, did quite a lot just to, to keep the chops going, but also to keep engaged with the community during the interim. I mean, what was that gap of time like for you? I mean, that was kind of three years, and, and really, we break it down, three records, we can get to the records, but uh, I mean, what was that period of time like just for you personally and, and for your membership in the band? Yeah, sure. It was a uh, strange times, very unique experience as far as the life of the band goes. We'd never been through anything like that before. Nobody, I guess, had been through anything like that before. And we got home right before the lockdown happened. So we got home from tour and, you know, we were getting ready to gear up and prep the next tour. And then lockdown happened and we're like, oh man, we're not going anywhere for a while. And then you find out you're not going anywhere for a long while. And it gets scary because this is what we do. And um, this is how we pay the bill. You know, there's four or five guys in the band and then crew and there's a lot of folks kind of dependent on us being on the road. So it was scary, definitely at first. But luckily, like everybody else, we were able to do some online shows and kind of keep a presence online and sell tickets online uh, for web performances. And that saved us. Luckily, our crowd really came through and the fans, who I guess they were stuck at home as well, and I guess they were kind of hungry for, for music any way they could get it. And uh, luckily, they tuned in and, and bought tickets online. And that really kept us afloat for a good year and a half, almost two years, uh, until we started getting back out in the summer of 21, I guess. We kind of started creeping back out into an outdoor, socially distanced shows. But we were able to coast through that rough time really just with the help of our fans. And so that felt real good, and it made it a lot less scary. And yeah, we ended up actually recording on a record during that time with Matt Ross Bang over at Sam Phillips. So we put the downtime to good use. And yeah, I spent a lot of time writing. And uh, I had a little girl, my daughter was, I think, three at the time. And so for me personally, I enjoyed my time at home. I got to spend a lot of time with my daughter that I would have missed otherwise if I would have been on the road at our normal pace. So yeah, I got to spend time at home writing songs and playing with my little girl and then doing these online shows. And it ended up being a, kind of a, for me, a very productive time 
and there was a lot of good family memories during that time actually for me so i was very lucky but now after all that's kind of said and done it does feel very good to get back out on the road and see people face to face and play music in live venues again it's just such a big part of what we do as a band i appreciated my time at home with my family and writing songs but it's good to get back out on the road so yeah that kind of sums it all up yeah i hear you i mean if I could stay there a bit, I mean, I don't want to put words in my but it sounds like some of it was cathartic. Yeah, everybody was kind of isolated, you know? Um, and so I spent a lot of time um, just kind of down in my basement office where I, I do a lot of my writing. I just got to really focus on, I don't know, the work. Um, and I got to focus on songwriting and pursue a couple of different projects and give time to things that I've been wanting to do. Like, I've got some solo projects in the work, um, and even some synthesizer stuff with my stepdaughter, and different ideas that I never quite had time for, but I'd been thinking about. All of a sudden, I had nothing but time. I made the best of a kind of scary situation, and I got a lot done during that time. So yeah, as tragic as the pandemic has been for me personally, I didn't mind being at home with my family, to be honest. You talk about home and you talk about your basement office. This first record that came out, when you found me, uh, the pandemic sort of uh, kind of ramping down as the record came out. I mean, sense right. of place is, is a large theme, I feel, during that record. I mean, what does sense of place mean for you through that process, but also just to, through your, your personhood and your music? Yeah, that record, it was definitely written kind of in isolation. I'll, I'll have some songs. And, you know, some of them are finished, some of them are halfway done, some of them are just sketches. But whatever I've got, I'll bring it to the band, and we'll rehearse, and we'll have practice. And they'll throw ideas and do their kind of thing, and we'll throw ideas around, and it becomes a Lucero song. And that's how we've done all the records in the past, really. But with this record, it was just me, you know, locked in my room by myself, making demos, and fleshing them out more than I would have in the past. I would have just taken the sketches to the guys and and we would have made them into Lucero songs. But with this record, it was it was just me. And I'm not sure if it was a reflection of the time, but it ended up being kind of a darker record sonically. Just kind of moodier and more serious sounding. And I don't know, that's just what was in my brain at the time. And that's kind of what I enjoyed listening to when I was just listening to music on my own. It was just what I had a taste for at the time. And that came out on uh, When You Found Me, for sure. And so then I... When I finally got into the studio with the guys, and you know, we're all wearing masks, it was fun to be in the studio, but it was definitely odd circumstances. It wasn't business as usual. And so it was a little tricky. And yeah, I think for better or for worse, you can kind of hear that on the When You Found Me album. It definitely has a different tone than some of the other Lucero stuff. But um, I ended up really liking the record, but it's definitely, it's not representative of what Lucero does as a whole, but it's kind of cool to have that moment captured but yeah it's definitely a little bit different for us um but we got it made and and we released it during the pandemic and um we didn't go bankrupt making it um it could have turned out much worse it actually it turned out okay so yeah and now we've got a new record out that just came out uh last week we made it through and we're still trucking here's more from lucero live on bill street caravan Shots in 
in flames The clothes are now Winter's changed It's time to reap The harvest I have sown That was Lucero live on Bill Street Caravan. For more info on the band and their studio releases, head over to Lucero's site. That's luceromusic.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Oh,